You are listening to a sermon brought to you by Shatter State Chi Alpha. I pray that this sermon will bless you and teach you something new today. And you can find a link to our website in the info. Check it out and shoot us a message. We would love to hear from you. Let's get going. So for the last few weeks, uh, we've been kind of talking about how as Christians, um, Jesus called us to a life that isn't necessarily comfortable. That in order to follow Jesus, Jesus doesn't, you know, Jesus didn't die on the cross so that we could live in a mansion and live comfortably and a life of peace and ease with all of the money in the world. Like, Jesus died and, and calls us to a life that's greater than that, that's bigger than that, that's bigger than just having a nice house with a white picket fence and two and a half kids and three dogs. Like, Jesus calls us to a life that isn't comfortable. And so, as a Christian, we're to get out of our comfort, out of our comfort zone and um, be comfortable uncomfortable. Um, and so today we're kind of continuing that. We're talking about how, you know, within scripture, if you look at the disciples of Jesus, in fact, we easily see the opposite effect that we are going to be persecuted. And Jesus says that we're going to be persecuted for our faith. We're going to be condemned for our faith. Um, the, the disciples life wasn't easy. And so if the disciples of Jesus life wasn't easy, then how can I expect my life to be easy? because I follow Jesus. Like that just doesn't compute. That doesn't make sense. And so how many of you guys have bought a car or you bought your own car, your first car or anything like that? Four of you guys, man, you guys must have awesome parents or you don't own a car. (laughs) That's fine. If you at least paid some money towards the vehicle you drive, still four of you guys. Awesome. Five, six, we've got, we're moving up. I can remember my first car. I was 16 years old, and uh, one of my friends was selling a 1990 Camaro. That thing was, it was pristine. It was gorgeous. It was white. It had the high output 305 motor in it. Man, I loved that car. And one day he decides he's going to sell it. And so the price he listed was pretty affordable. And so I went and I asked my parents, hey, can I buy this car? And they were like, of course, but you're going to pay for it. And so I worked out a deal with my parents that if I raised a certain amount of the money ahead of time, that they would loan me the rest and then I could just pay them back without any interest. And so um, I began working my butt off. As a high school athlete, and this was during football season, uh, a high school football player, it's tough to work at the same time as going to school full time and then on top of that going to football practice and then on top of that trying to earn money. And so basically I I worked my butt off trying to find every side job I could possibly find um, doing things for my dad's buddies, um, fixing fence out on ranches, doing extra work around our, I grew up on a ranch, doing extra work around the ranch that I normally wouldn't have had to have done um, in order to save up that money. And I began to do more and more in order to raise that money. And eventually I did raise it. I got the money to my parents ahead of time, or got my money to my parents in time to buy the car. And I bought it. And then eventually over the period of another year, I slowly paid off the rest of the debt that I owed them. I made a lot of sacrifices in order to purchase this car. It wasn't like I just, you know, hey, pulled out my back pocket and magically had $500 in order to put a down uh, deposit on this car. Like I had to make a few sacrifices. I had to work my butt off for about a month. Um, Every spare moment I had, every free weekend I had, saving up money in order to get this car that I wanted. Um, More often than not, and the the whole point of that is, more often than not, the things that are really worth it to us, 
we're willing to make sacrifices for. We're willing to work our butts off. We're willing to do things, uh, go over the top in order to do things, in order to receive or achieve those things. It doesn't have to be tangible things like a car. It could be a degree that you're seeking in college. You're willing to make sacrifices for the things that are really worth it. So if you guys want to turn your Bibles, if you have Bibles, to Matthew 19. If you don't, um, that's fine. We'll have the scripture up on the screen, and I'll be reading it out loud. Matthew 19, starting in verse 16. Just then, a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me what is good? Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones, he inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your mother and father, and love your neighbor as yourself. I feel like he started off really easy. You know, don't murder, don't commit adultery, and then he kind of gets to the tougher ones, like love your neighbor as yourself. That sometimes can be a little difficult, right? All of these I have kept, verse 20. The young man said, what do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. I feel like this young man would have gotten along just fine in the American church. This young man was the definition of what pastors often look for in the American church. He's a wealthy, dedicated ruler who can benefit the church. A lot of times, pastors will actually go out of their way to pursue people like this in order to attend their church. They'll fight to keep a young man like this within their church because, for one, he went to the right place. He ran to Jesus. Two, he did the right thing and he humbled himself and he kneeled before Jesus. This is a ruler kneeling before Jesus. He recognized Jesus' authority. Three, he had the right spirit. He was willing to learn. He said, good master, what shall I do? He was seeking growth. He was self-aware. He, he could tell that he just wasn't quite adding up. There was something missing. And four, he had the right concern because he was thinking about eternity rather than right now. He had all of those things lined up. He was doing all of the right things. And in the American church, we would look at this person as a, a phenomenal deacon who's dedicated a lot of money and time to the church. But then at the same time, in Jesus' eyes, he was what you would say is so close, but yet so far away. Because he was so close, he had all of those things going for him. But yet when he left this meeting, he didn't leave excited. He left sad. Why? He's standing in front of Jesus, and nothing in Scripture indicates that this ruler did what Jesus asked him to do. And so even though this ruler had been doing so much right, he still had it all wrong. In Mark's recount of this story, uh, in, in the book of Mark, he says that um, before Jesus told him to sell everything, that Jesus looked at him, at this young ruler, and loved him. And so Jesus' response to this young man isn't a response out of retaliation. He isn't scoffing at him. He isn't jesting at him. He's not trying to cut him down. He's, he's responding out of love. He sees what this young man is struggling with, and in love he responds, this is something you're going to have to give up. 
today's time, it might sound a little bit more like, bro, I can see that you really love your wealth. That wealth is going to be your downfall. I mean, it really is as simple as that. It's an idol. It's going to be, uh, it's going to keep you from experiencing all that I have for you. Lay it down and follow me. And you can really begin to see how much of an idol this thing is to this young ruler. Because like I said, he walked away from this encounter sad. Like that just, that blows my mind. This is a ruler in ancient times kneeling at the foot of Jesus. This is a ruler kneeling at somebody who who had no place to lay his head. This is a ruler kneeling at somebody, kneeling in somebody's presence who was according to the standards of the world below him. He recognizes Jesus' authority, and yet he asks him what he must do to inherit the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus tells him exactly what he must do. Like, he gives this dude a blueprint. So he's standing there, kneeling at the foot of Jesus. And he's like, how many of you guys would love it if, if you knew for sure you weren't going to inherit the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus was standing right in front of you. And you could ask him one thing. What must I do to inherit the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus told you exactly what you must do. How cool would that be to know exactly what your downfall is? And yet this rich young ruler walked away sad. Jesus told him exactly what it was. That was going to be his downfall. And he walked away sad. We see another instance within Scripture. Uh, Zacchaeus, if you guys know the story of Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus was also, also a wealthy person. And Jesus told him basically to do the same thing, to give up his wealth. And Zacchaeus went away excitedly. And we read the story of Zacchaeus and we get this sense of awesome. It just, this is a great story. This is a story of redemption. This is a story of a man hearing Jesus's words and going out and doing them and then getting to, getting to experience all that Jesus has for him in life. It is a fun story to read. But yet in this story, we're stuck reading about a man who didn't and a man who walked away sad. This young man had way too much stock invested into the current world that he was living in. And so I ask, how many of us are just like this rich young ruler? We go to church. We love Jesus. We read our Bibles. We try to keep the commands. We go to church uh, every single week. We don't miss, or maybe we'll miss here and there. We try to go even go to small group. You know, we talk about Jesus to our friends. We do these things. But then when God asks us to make a sacrifice, we've got that little corner, that box, that area, that part of our life that we're just not willing to cut out for God. We have that corner where we have something buried away deep in there and we're just in accordance with God. And we're just like, we know Jesus just don't talk about that because that's, that's off limits. That's not something I'm willing to sacrifice. That's exactly the situation we have with this rich, uh, excuse me, this rich young ruler. He asked Jesus, what is it? What can I do? And Jesus answered him. He's like, what more can I do? And Jesus answers him. And he walks away sad. So then my question is, today, what is Jesus asking you to sacrifice? What is Jesus asking us to sacrifice? As, as Christians in America, we have a life of ease. If you deny that, you're just not seeing the world the way it really is. 
We have comfort in America. If you earn minimum wage in America, you earn more than 80% of the rest of the world. Minimum wage in America earns more than 80% of the rest of the world. You, I promise you, have a comfortable life compared to the rest of the world. And so I know Jesus is asking us to make sacrifices. He wants us to give over these idols in our life, these areas that we've just kind of hidden away in a closet that we don't want God to touch. Jesus, I guarantee, is going to ask us to sacrifice that at some point in your walk or another. But you better yet, let's, let's move on to the bigger picture here. Why is the concept of sacrifice so difficult? Why, when I immediately started talking about sacrifice, we all shrank down into our chairs, we all started looking at the ground and avoiding eye contact with me? Why is just the concept, the word sacrifice, whether it's financial or otherwise, as soon as somebody begins to talk about this area of your life, we begin to shy away from it. We event, immediately begin to build up this wall and, and say, well, God, he's not talking to me. He's not talking about me. The concept of sacrifice, especially in America, is so difficult. It's so hard to get past people. And I'm speaking from a place where I, I feel the same way. When someone's like, hey, dude, you need to give up your phone for a week. I'm like, no, not my phone. I know how it feels. And so I, I have to ask myself, why? Why do I hold on to these worldly possessions with such a tight fist that I won't even allow God to have a conversation with me about it? As soon as he begins to bring it up, I just immediately move to something else and start praying about something else. Because earlier I told you how much I was willing to sacrifice in order to, to receive a car that, that doesn't even run anymore. It's sitting in my mom and dad's pasture. I was willing to sacrifice time. I was willing to sacrifice energy. I was willing to sacrifice money. And I was even willing to sacrifice sleep in order to get a car. So would I have been willing to make the exact same sacrifices if God had asked me to? Would I have been willing to do the exact same amount of work lose the exact same amount of sleep, give the exact same amount of money over to somebody else who's in need that God laid on my heart, and I don't get any control in how they spend that money. Would I have made that same sacrifice if God had asked me to? I know it's getting a little bit uncomfortable in here, but you guys are at Shatter State College. You are enrolled in school. You are making a sacrifice for your future, your immediate future. You spend dozens of hours every single week studying. You spend thousands of dollars every single semester to pay for your classes. You lose a ton of sleep. I know what it's like to be in college. I know what all-nighters are. You guys will sometimes stay up an entire night studying for a test the next day for something that will ensure us the ability to have a career that we desire. Or perhaps to play a sport that you love and enjoy. Or perhaps so that you can just earn a lot of money. Maybe you've picked a career just based off the fact that it's a high-earning career. That you're willing to make those same sacrifices, but what if God asked you, and I'm not saying he is, and I'm not asking you to give a bunch of money or anything like that. That's If you're thinking I'm asking for your money, get that out of your head right away. I'm not talking about money. But what if God asked you to make the exact same sacrifice tonight for him? What if he asked you to pull an all-nighter and spend it in prayer? 
What if he asked you to take some of your money that you earn at your job and instead of spending it on, on McDonald's, you give it to Feed One in order to feed kids in a different country? That's the kind of situation we're looking at here. That's the kind of situation that we're dealing with with the rich young ruler who's approaching Jesus. He's saying, I'm asking, he's asking this ruler to make a sacrifice that if Jesus asked us today, we would probably walk out of the room and be like, that dude's absolutely unreasonable. He's only in it for the money. Or that guy's absolutely unreasonable. He just doesn't really get how much time I have to go to school or have to go to work or whatever. This is a rich young ruler. He had responsibilities the same way you and I have responsibilities. And yet Jesus is asking him, give away your wealth. Leave that life of, of being a ruler and follow me. That's the situation we're looking at here. That's the magnitude of what Jesus is asking this rich young ruler. But what it really comes down to, and and it really is as simple as this, as Christians, we aren't supposed to look exactly the same way as the world looks. We're not supposed to look at our career the same way the world looks at a career. We're not supposed to look at money the same way the world looks at money. We're not supposed to look at time the same way the world looks at time. Every aspect of our lives should stand out as a Christian contrary or in contrast to the way that the world does it. Our behavior as Christians should stand out. We really should stand out, especially in today's culture. This is taught, we're talking 2,000 years ago, Christians were supposed to stand out. How much more so today in the world that we live in? We are called to stand out. Sometimes God asks us for sacrifices. I know for me, one of the things that I dealt with early on in my Christian walk was just simply popularity. When I was in school here at Shatter State, I was a pretty popular person. I was runner-up, homecoming king, all that. And God straight up said, I don't care about your popularity. I'm going to ask you to sacrifice it. And that didn't mean I was going around acting like an idiot just to annoy people. But it was doing things like having a prayer table, sitting out there every single solitary week, and I didn't care who came through and saw me. Jesus was asking me not to care about my popularity. It was just one small sacrifice. And I gave my career and my job and my life to Christ in order to to do Chi Alpha. We've made a lot of other sacrifices that are different than that, but you guys get the road I'm going down here, right? So if you guys want to turn to, it'll be real quick, 2 Corinthians 5. If not, it'll be up on the board. 2 Corinthians 5.13 says, If we are out of our mind, and I'm going to ask you to listen very closely. If we are out of our mind, as some would say, it is for God. I'm going to read that again. If we are out of our mind, as some would say, out of our mind, as some would say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. It is for others. It is not for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for others. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live shall no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. I'm going to go back and I'm going to read that first sentence again. If we are out of our mind, as some would say, it is for God. 
When was the last time you responded to God asking you to do something and the world around you responded, are you out of your mind? That should be normal for us. As Christians, it should be normal for the people around us who aren't Christian to not understand why we do what we do. It should confuse them. Why did you just give $500 to feed kids when you can't even afford a a car? Why are you selling everything you own and moving to Israel in order to reach people? That doesn't make any sense. Don't you realize there's a war going on over there? We should stand out because really what it comes down to, what American needs, what Shadron State College needs, are people willing to go out on a limb and act a little out of their minds, being compelled by Christ, who no longer live for for themselves, but instead live for Jesus. The world doesn't need just another college student going to class, going to work, going home, watching Netflix, studying, going to bed, waking up, and doing it all over again. The world is begging for you to stand out and be who God created you to be. Be different than the world tells you you should be. The world is hungry for people to stand out. Nobel Prize winner and and actually atheist, Nobel Prize winner George Bernard Shaw once said, the reasonable man adapts himself to the world. An unreasonable one persists to adapt the world to himself. Therefore, all progress in society depends upon the unreasonable man. If everyone were to constantly just go the course, go par for the course, and just do as everybody else does, society would still be stuck in the dark ages. It requires people to stand out. And as Christians, reasonable Christians are like the rich young ruler. They try to fit in into the world around them. An unreasonable Christian tries to get everyone, including themselves, to fit into God's plan, to stand out. I'm going to finish with this story. This is easily my favorite story of a situation in which God asked somebody, and this is a true story. This is 100% true. I can verify that this story is true because I, I know the pastor who's at this campus and I know who, uh, the, who the pastor is. Yeah, sorry. This is a story of of a person who was asked to do something completely unreasonable, and yet he did it, and something awesome came out. I'm just going to get to the story because it's too cool. This is a former Chi Alpha student who was going to school at Montana. His name was Bill. Bill was at an airport to pick up a friend. The friend was coming to visit him. And while sitting in the waiting area, he asked God to let him know if there was anything that he wanted him to do. So basic, hey, God, is there anything you'd like me to do? All of a sudden, Bill felt like the Holy Spirit was asking him to walk over and stand on his head in front of a pop machine. One of the pop machines just standing right. It just clear as day. Holy Spirit asked him to walk over and stand on his head in front of a pop machine, of which Bill immediately thought, that's stupid. That's crazy. Why on earth would God ask me to do something like that? But the feeling just wouldn't go away. He just kept feeling it repeated over and over again. And so reluctantly, he got up, he walked over to the pop machine, and he stood up on his head. 
his thought was, at least this waiting area is fairly empty for, for excuse me, at least this waiting area is fairly empty so nobody will, there are not that many people who can see my irrational behavior. And almost immediately, as soon as he stood on his head in front of the pot machine, a businessman came over, ran up to him with hostility, and said, what the bleep are you doing? Immediately, Bill started to get scared because he's like, maybe this guy works for Homeland Security. Maybe this guy sees my, my behavior as, as something worth jailing over. Um, maybe he suspects, uh, suspects me of some kind of terrorist activity. And so Bill immediately got scared. And as he's dismounting from his handstand, or whatever it was, as he's, as he's coming down, he felt like God responding to him, just be honest. Tell him what I asked you to do. Just be 100% honest and don't try to explain it away. Just be honest. And so as Bill stood up, he explained, I'm a follower of Jesus, learning to hear God speak to me. And as I was reading my book, I felt like I heard God tell me to come over and stand on, and stand on my head in front of his palm machine. And as he kind of braced himself for the immediate reaction, he looks up and he sees that tears are forming in this dude's eyes. This guy immediately begins to weep. And he begins to say to him, I've been searching for God lately. And just a few minutes ago, I asked God for a sign. And I told him that if someone would come and stand on their head in front of this pop machine, I would believe in him. Bill obeyed even when it made absolutely no sense to him. And a life was changed because of it. And like I said, I can verify this story is 100% true. Sometimes God is going to ask you to do something that is uncomfortable. Sometimes God is going to ask you to do something that doesn't make any sense. Sometimes God is going to do or ask you to do something that goes contrary to your wishes and your beliefs. And sometimes he's going to ask us to get out of our comfort zones. Sometimes he's going to ask us to make sacrifices. But in the end, when we are obedient to what God is asking us to do, the end result will always be lives changed whether it's our own life or whether it's somebody else's life. Whether it's our own life and that we grow closer to God, we go, grow closer into being the men and women that God is asking to us to be, or whether it's somebody else's life being radically changed. Uh, some of you guys were here last week. God gave me a word for somebody, and it didn't make any sense in my head. And I gave it anyway. Sometimes you don't get to know why God is asking you to do something. We just need to act in obedience. God sometimes will ask us, actually God more often than not will ask us to be unreasonable believers. Merriam-Webster defines unreasonable as not guided or based in good sense beyond the limits of acceptability. Sometimes he will do things that the world would say is absolutely not acceptable. Sometimes he'll ask us to do things that the world says are absolutely backwards, are not thinking about yourself, aren't thinking about your future, aren't thinking about your future. But more often than not, God is in control and it really is to your future's benefit. So tonight I want to ask you guys, what sacrifice is God asking you to make? What unreasonable thing is God asking you to do? It doesn't have to be money. It could be as simple as going out and standing on your head in front of a pool table. What is God asking you to do? What is God asking you to sacrifice? What unreasonable thing is God asking you to do?
So tonight I want to give you guys a little bit of time. We're going to have a little bit of time where we're going to just have some worship music going, some time of prayer and reflection for you to ask God a simple question. The question just simply is, God, is there anything I need to do to get closer to you? What more do I need? The rich young ruler asked, what else? So our question tonight is, what else? Some of you guys have made sacrifices. Some of you guys have already made big sacrifices for God. Some of you guys are in the process of making a sacrifice. I still want our question. I always want our question. No matter how much you've sacrificed for God, I always want our question to be, what else do I need to do to get closer to you? Because even if the rich young ruler did what Jesus asked him to do and gave up all his money, and he said, after that, God, what else? There was still probably something else that could help him out in his walk in getting closer to Christ. So we're going to have a little bit of music going, and then we're going to come up, I'm going to, um, then we're going to go into one more worship song, and then we're going to close. So tonight, I want you guys to find somewhere, get away from everybody, find a place on the carpet, whatever you have to do to get comfortable and in your prayer closet or your prayer zone, and ask God, is there anything that you need to do to get closer to him? for today's service and we just give it over to you um, no matter what was said here we just ask that it would be your words and anything that wasn't of you we just ask that it would erase from our minds that anything that was of you would just be solidified in our hearts amen i'm gonna ask you guys to just sit for just a second something that god's been asking me to get out of my comfort zone on and something he's been challenging me with a lot lately um, is speaking prophetically from a pulpit um, it's not comfortable for me. It's extremely out of my comfort zone. In fact, I absolutely hate it because I get a ton of anxiety. If you don't know what prophetic, prophetic words are, basically it's when God will give me something about somebody, um, and I will speak into their future. Sometimes it's, sometimes it comes to me in the word of a knowledge first before prophecy, but basically it's just an opportunity where I get an opportunity to minister to somebody. I prefer one-on-one, um, but <clears throat> God's been challenging me to step out from a pulpit. And this is all within the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and it's within Scripture. And if you have any questions about that, I can, I can uh, let you know what they are after service. But um, I just feel like, what's your name, man? Austin. Austin. Dude, I feel like uh, you were kind of dragged here reluctantly a little bit, and um, you felt kind of uncomfortable the entire time you've been here. But God's saying that in the next coming weeks and months, if you just keep an eye out for the things he's doing in your life, he's going to begin to show himself to you, and he's going to begin to change the way that you even view him. Because it's it's going to start out, it's just going to be coincidences. It's going to be little things. But then after a while, it's just going to grow, and it's just going to keep getting more and more coincidence. And eventually it's going to get to the point where you you just absolutely can't deny that it's God. And he's going to begin to show himself to you in ways that are just absolutely real and tangible. And you won't have to ask, you know, is God even real? Is Are these things that you're doing for real? He's going to make it obvious to you in the next coming months, man. And what's your name? What's that? Say it, I, EC. EC? Okay, awesome. That was easier than I made it out to be. But I feel like God has given you a big heart, and you care a lot about people. And in times, sometimes that's almost gotten to the point where you've gotten hurt a lot in the past because of how much you care for people. 
And what God's saying is that continue caring, continue loving, continue showing passion for people and don't allow the past hurts to, to cause you to build walls up between people and, and to start pushing people off as soon as you begin to care about them because he's going to start giving you opportunities in which people are going to become or are going to start coming to you for advice and you're going to have opportunities to, to basically just uh, walk them through the process of being hurt. And he's going to use you to help people who have been through what you've already been through in the past. And he's just saying, all you got to do is just open yourself up to it and allow yourself to love again the way that you have always in the past. And so <clears throat> if those words absolutely miss, that's fine. You can disregard them and just say, there's some crazy pastor that didn't know what he was talking about. I don't mind. But if they were on... I want you to seriously pray about them and, and to keep praying about them and maybe even tell the, the, those people around you about it. But um, um, you guys are awesome. I love you. Courtney loves you. Uh, if you have anything that you need to come to us in the week and throughout the week for prayer, don't hesitate to get in touch with us. Add us on Facebook. Um, send us a message. Send a friend a message to send to us. We would love to meet up with you guys and, and actually get to talk with you guys one-on-one. Um, other than that, you guys are dismissed, and we'll love to see you guys next week.